It's a good day for some good news. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's Jesus's good news to us in John 16, 33. As we face this new day and find and all that it has for us, we find courage and hope in the only trustworthy words available. Tell the adventurers, explore. The Bible. Hey, all right. So we've listened to Philippians chapter three, and now we're going to discuss what it means for us and for our lives. And if you hear me mentioning sit, stay, down, things like that, or the word bed, I'm talking to our lovely dog. Come here, B. Yeah, yeah. You're a good boy. Now go to your bed. Down. Stay. He gets very excited because we're very excited. All right. So what did the Holy Spirit say to you as we were listening to God's word this morning? <clears throat> well, somewhere around 16. Go ahead and read some of the words so that okay. people know what... I'll read 15 and 16. Okay. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. But this is the part that really stood out to me. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it. Okay. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I would dip my toe in, in my relationship with God when I needed something, when I was hurting. Um, and then one day, I felt like all I had was my faith. All I had was God. And he just cleared everything else out of the way until I could see him clearly. And... Uh, Yes, that's glorious, but it didn't feel glorious in the moment. It felt horrible. I felt like everything in my life that I had come to count on had been stripped away. In that moment, I uh, had given up my position in owning my business. I had given up my position in uh, doing hair on the daily. I. My children were grown and living on their own. All the titles that I had come to depend on weren't really there. Um, God had cleared all that away and all I could see was him. And it's a funny thing because I've always told my children, their faith, their faith is their own, but there will come a day when all they have is their faith. And uh, yeah, I still believe that. <laughs> Because it happened to you. It definitely happened to me. And it's funny that I said that so many years before that actually happened to me. But it happened. Yeah. Well, in this season of our lives, it's 2021. And one of the main things that we have been dealing with and God has been dealing with us about are our inner vows. And these promises that we've made to ourselves of... Who we're going to be and how we're going to control the amount of suffering that we have to deal with in life and so what I just heard you say was one of the ways that 
you controlled the suffering in your life were titles that were good things. Titles like mom, titles like business owner, um, hairstylist. Um, so you, you had a career. Um, were there any other titles or, or things that had to get out of the way before you were able to actually de fully depend on God? Yeah. And what were they? Um, sister, daughter. You know, this obligation I felt to my family. Instead of being responsible to them, I felt responsible for them. My sister, who I love dearly, uh, is nine years younger than me. And um, growing up, I felt like I was her parent. And I continued that on uh, into our adulthood. It was a comfortable situation for her and I. It's, it's what we had known our whole lives. Um, unfortunately, it was not good for either of us. So, sister, daughter, um, all those things had to, had to go for, to be able to see God clearly. Um, and the reason is that I would busy myself with those things. Instead of facing God, instead of being alone with God, I would work. That was someplace I was successful. I would... You know try to be the mom to my sister and I would anytime you know she needed anything like a newborn child I would run um, and that's on me definitely not on her that's what I did you know if my family my parents I even thought they needed anything I would run so, you would run to them oh yeah not, a lot of people run away. Yeah, I didn't. I ran to them. I... You treated all of them like newborn babies who needed you mm -hmm. instead of allowing them to be adults who were, could take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm Absolutely. hearing you say? Um, growing up, I was the mediator in our family. That was my role. And so uh, I carried that on into my adulthood. So once the busyness was gone, then it's just me and God. That's it. So what stands out to me particularly is you're saying what you're talking about, this busybody um, word that you're using, um, is in this chapter of Philippians, Paul talks about religious busybodies. And it's so easy to think that religious means someone who's churchy but that's not accurate religious means i do the same thing over and over because it gets a result that i like or that i'm striving for my favorite religious person in in the history that i know about is michael jordan the story is he didn't make his high school basketball team so he went and he just 
every single night he would shoot a certain number of free throws and that's what religion is you have to do this thing if you want to be part of this group and he became the greatest basketball player he changed the game of basketball and so his religion was successful if all he wanted was a great basketball life of course the problem is there's more to life than just one career one thing and now Michael Jordan doesn't play basketball anymore who is he um, and there's plenty of answers for that and if what you want is that life then you have to understand you're going to, it's going to cost you all of the other things that you could have um, relationships with people change over time your parents stop being your parents at some point and while they're not necessarily going to be your peers because they're so much older than you you can't continue living this child to parent relationship it has to change to something more like a peer-to-peer -peer or at least an adult to an adult relationship and so um, in Philippians 3 Paul talks about these religious busybodies who are running around trying to make everyone conform to their way of doing things and what it made me think about was how often we all as human beings and I've done this myself we say you don't get to tell me what to do I get to do whatever I want to do and you have to here's the part where I'm gonna tell you to do what I tell you to do you have to let me do that and so it's still this the base of that is still the same human thing I get I'm going to tell you how to interact with the world and we all do it and we all do it because we have an inner vow to protect ourselves from pain we have an inner vow that says I will never let someone tell me how to live my life again because when I followed this person or that person or all these different people I suffered more than I wanted to and I have in my life said well I did what my mom wanted me to do why don't I have the best possible life or a life that has less suffering and the answer is while I was doing what my mom told me to do was I actually doing what God told me to do and the answer is no I was missing out on who God made me and what God had for me and where God wanted me to go and the great thing about God is and at the end of the chapter the whole point is God's still gonna make something good out of all this mess and I love the argument that God's not held responsible for the bad things that happens actually he is and we all hold him responsible for the bad things that happen but could you I mean if you're a parent you know what it's like to have your children making a mess of the house have your spouse not doing all the things you want and you're trying so hard to make something good out of all of that you're as humans we make mistakes while we do that and even while we're cleaning up one mess the kids and the spouse are making another mess we don't have enough time for it to look like we're actually doing anything that's good helpful or valuable is that you you've been a parent you know yes, is absolutely. that accurate um, but you are doing good you just don't necessarily see the fruits of that uh, it also depends on what you're looking at right absolutely and so as we look at all the mess that happens in the world we miss the glory of God because it's 
subtle and it's <clears throat> it's like something we were talking about yesterday um, <laughs> reading the Bible doesn't always have this big emotional right contact with us and can do you remember the question that you, you asked me a question can you ask it here uh, I don't remember exactly what the question is to be honest but it was about it was something about you know are you always moved by the Bible when we read it in the morning um, and what I meant was do you have a an emotional a strong emotional response every time we read this and what was um, your concern behind that question my concern was that I don't have that every day I do have it some days some days like it'll make me cry and you know I used to say I picked the right Hallmark card one the one that made me cry um, and so when I had had a couple of those in a row and the next day as I was reading it it felt a little it felt very clinical and I thought, uh, am I doing something wrong? Like, and then I thought to myself, well, that doesn't make sense because like for you, you grew up in church, you've read this a million times. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I asked, you know, do you have a strong emotional response every time? And the answer was, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason the answer is no, is not just because I've read it a million times, although that is part of it and I haven't read it a million obviously but I, I get stuck on accuracy folks if that's something you'll get to know about me but I have been surrounded by it so much but the other issue that we have as human beings is we only have a certain capacity for emotion and so just like someone who is on an illegal substance they need more and more and more of it to get the same kind of feeling that they got when they tried it for the first time. And so the first time we hear some of the Bible, there are parts of it that are going to really connect with us and give us this emotional, this dopamine hit in our brain, this emotional connection. But there are other parts that just, they, they, don't, they don't give us that no matter how many times we read it. And part of that is, as human beings, we're all different. And one of the great things about the Bible is it speaks to all the different interests of all different people. There's, there's something for everyone in the Bible, but that also means that some of the things in the Bible are not for everyone. And so it's okay to not get an emotional, that emotional bump. And you might want to pay attention when that's happening to recognize, number one, this might not be part, something that's, interesting to you but the second thing to recognize is maybe you have too much going on in your life and there's no space left for any more emotional connection and that's okay it just probably is telling you hey slow down rest take a break take a nap do something as soon as you can to get yourself in a place where you have some emotional capacity left and hey, if you're a parent or you're busy with your career or you're doing whatever you're doing, you might not be able to do that anytime soon. And that's okay. We're not giving you some ultimatum. We're just letting you know, be aware of what's going on because maybe you're so busy because of an inner vow. My guess is Michael Jordan made an inner vow that said, I'm going to be the greatest basketball player alive. 
And he achieved that, but once again, what did it cost him? What does it cost to live up to this inner vow? Are you going to have a great marriage, a great, uh, be a great parent? Are you going to be able to, to do your best at all the different things? And we're human beings, we're limited. So no, we can't be the number one everything because if we're trying to be the number one everything, we're actually competing with other people, not doing what we need to do for our spouse, for our kids, for our job, for because once again, we have something that's different and we need to interact with it differently than other people do. So was there anything else in particular that stood out for you in this chapter? No, but it's okay. That was it for me. Good. Fantastic. Um, for me personally, I like to look at the the system or the, the structure, the patterns that go in here. And one of the things that I noticed was Paul tells his, the people that he's writing to what they need to do. Steer clear of, of the barking dogs, the religious busybodies. Um, and he says he's written it in early let, earlier letters, which means this isn't the first time they've heard this. We have to keep hearing the same thing over and over again. I do. <laughs> we all do. And remember that we do all this because of Christ. It's not because we're going to be perfect. And then he even points out, hey, I'm not saying that I have this all together. In verses 12 through 4, in verse 12, he says, I don't have this all together or that I've made it, but I'm well on my way. I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards being closer to God every day. That's the goal. Not I'm perfect, not I've checked all the boxes and done all of my to-do list of being close to God. Because we all know that's not how relationships work. If you make some checklist and with your significant other, every day you just check off the checklist. Well, I gave him a hug, I gave him a kiss, I said bye to them before I left for work. I went and worked. I brought home money. I, okay, I've done my checklist. Why our relationship is great now. Does it ever work like that? No, of course not. <laughs> so we're on our way to a relationship and let's keep focused on that goal. Then he, Paul says, stick with me friends. So we're together in this. None of us have it perfect. None of us are doing it perfectly, but we're all together in moving closer to God. That's the goal. And then the best part is Paul ends with, but there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. Man, you want, you want an identity? Are you struggling with your identity? Do you not know who you are? This is going to redefine your entire life. We are citizens of high heaven. You are God's holy and dearly loved child and he is pleased with you, even when he cannot approve of the things you're doing. If you really have that as your identity, if I really have that, if we really have that as our identity, how does that change our whole life? How does that allow us to recognize our inner vows and let go of them? Because if I'm God's holy and dearly loved child and he's pleased with me, I don't have to compete with anybody else. 
I don't have to be the number one parent, the number one salesman, the number one money maker, the person with the most money in the world, the person with the most stuff, the person with the newest technology. I can, I can enjoy those things. I can enjoy having kids and a spouse and a house and technology and a dog and whatever things that I personally want to pursue, great hobbies, whatever it is, but I can also be content and grateful in life if all that I have is my relationship with God. And that's a very difficult place to be in. We're full-time RVers. We live a life that's different from than most people live. We don't have a sticks and bricks home that's in one place. We don't have a community that we're connected with of people just because they live in close physical proximity to us. We move every month. No one is going with us to all of these different places. So our lifestyle is very different from what is conventionally or traditionally or socially acceptable as normal. And we're okay with that. There are days that are difficult. There are days that we have our struggles. Most of the time though, when we're having those difficult days and those struggles, it's because we're trying to fix things instead of trusting God. And this afternoon, we're gonna fix something on our, our trailer. If our definition of success is getting that done, we're gonna have a problem. If our definition of success is God loves us, we're his holy and dearly loved children, he is pleased with us even when he cannot approve of what we're doing, but what we're doing is setting ourselves up to go out and be able to comfortably love other people and, and be in relationship with God, which this RV maintenance is. It's nice to feel like our home is safe. Then we can do all these things. All these things will be added to us, to our life. Um, the way, man, I wish I could remember who said this quote. I think it's C.S. Lewis said, if you aim for heaven, you'll get earth thrown in. But if you aim for earth, you'll miss both earth and heaven. And his point is, if we're pursuing God, God's going to add to us all these good things. We will get to, we get to take care of our trailer. We get to have a, an RV that we can drive around and go see all of the country because that's something that is on our hearts. We get to do all of these other things. We get to go on these adventures. But if our goal, we went out dancing on Saturday night and my goal was to go dancing. Not to have a great relationship with my wife, not to have a great relationship with God. My goal was to go dancing. And when I didn't get to dance as much as I wanted to, my three-year-old came out and threw a temper tantrum, and then things were difficult. We still had, overall, we had a good time because we did go out, we did all of that, and more than anything, God still loves us. So we're able to have, to see it as a good time overall. But I missed out on so many opportunities because I was stuck in this one thing I wanted to do, missing out. I was aiming for earth and I didn't get earth or heaven. And if I would aim for heaven, then I could have both. And Jen, as I've already told you, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. Will you forgive me?
And so, what are you aiming for? Are you aiming for heaven? Are you aiming for a relationship with God? Are you aiming for community of people who are going to hold you accountable to God's way of doing things and help you along the way of being in relationship with God? Or are you just aiming for your career or your marriage or your kids being the best kids on the planet or your hobby or whatever it is? And I've aimed for all those things too. And that's what I heard you saying earlier. That's what you were aiming for. Absolutely. Uh, In the beginning, I would tell myself it was about survival. Mm. That's why I would put so much into my career. Um, But then it wasn't about survival anymore. And then it was, but it's my career. Uh, I remember one story. I I was away. I'd flown far away from from you, uh, I'd gone to a work event, big convention, I think I was in Texas maybe, and um, something happened at home. You were struggling at home. And I'd been up all night and I was just, I was sick over it. I was crying, I was upset, and uh, I knew I needed to go home. And. So you were at this work thing and you knew something was, I was struggling with something. Normally, what would you do in that situation? Would you stay at work or would you? Normally, I would have stayed at work. In 20 years at that point, I had never left a work thing early. I was always early. I stayed late. I worked hard. I defined yourself by being someone who worked hard. Yes. And um, I needed to go home. Uh, And it wasn't that you told me to go home. In fact, you didn't even know I was going to go home. Um, And I remember one of my coworkers said, well, doesn't he know that's your job? And in that moment, I realized this is not the most important thing in my life. This is not what I hoped and thought it would be. Um, by the grace of God, I, I called my immediate superior and told her that I needed to go home. And I went and got in the shower thinking, okay, I have to get this, this, and this done so that I can go home. And by the time I came out of the shower, I had the three biggest bosses in my company there, packing my bags, getting me a flight, and my biggest boss hugged me and said, your marriage is more important than your job. I'll be praying for you. Um, And in all the accolades I'd ever gotten in my career, that one thing that she said meant the most to me. In my life, I'd been searching for God, thinking he was somewhere else. 
uh, I'll try this church or I'll talk to these people. Like I know that I know he's somewhere and I know I'm missing it, but I don't know really where to find them. Not realizing he was right there the whole time. <laughs> um, and there would be, I would come across people now and again and situations would happen now and again to remind me God was right there. wasn't until I was ready to commit fully that I could see him everywhere. What do you mean by commit fully? I could admit that my way wasn't the way. Mm. So you had to sacrifice something that was really important to you, that defined who you were. Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to like to think of myself as an overachiever. You know, not only did I own a business, work behind the chair, I worked for this big company and traveled around. I ran my kids' booster clubs. I, you know, was there at all their sporting events. I, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And while I don't regret any of the time I spent with my children, um, defining myself by what I did versus who God says I am that was that was the difference in committing fully as well and has this way led to less suffering no not at all in fact it's been a very painful journey but think one of the most difficult parts is we give up we finally sacrifice this thing that we hold so dear to ourselves and we think okay that's it I've, I finally made it now I'm God I'm with you and so I'm all better there's nothing else that I'm ever going to need to sacrifice we're just going to be in a great relationship <laughs> Jen just let out a big deep sigh of <laughs> That's not it, and that's not it. So what happens after we finally give up that big main thing? Go to your bed. We start learning to find peace in the struggle, in the midst of the struggle. Um, and we don't do things for accolades anymore. We, we don't. Look, I'm not trying to be the best Christian ever. Mm. You know, I'm not trying to busy myself. Um, I'm learning to recognize what the struggle is. Um, I didn't care what the struggle was. In fact, there were seasons of my life that I looked for the struggle because I knew I could do something. You were going to work hard enough to overcome it. Oh, yeah. My my motto was, I'll just work harder. I'll just work more. It'll be fine. Nope. So now that you're not looking for that, what is, what else is God doing? What, where else is the suffering then? If you don't have to work hard anymore, 
why is there still suffering now that you are in relationship with God and actually pursuing relationship with God instead of pursuing I'm going to work harder and make this work well in the season of today mm -hmm. um, I'm in this season where I'm peeling away discovering and peeling away all these vows inner vows that I've made along the way and it is very painful it's painful because as I discover them and I'm able to identify them I can see where those vows themselves caused me such such pain over the years like on one hand it's enlightening like oh that's why that happened but that's pretty short-lived because then I have to grieve the loss of whatever it was that that cost me So when you're busy, you don't have time to grieve. You don't have space for that. You just, for me, I just, you know, you just got to keep on. Or I used to say, you know, I got to suck it up. I don't, you know, I'm going to fall apart here. I got to suck it up. Um, and that grief can all come crashing in on you. I'm actually taking time to grieve things as as they are lost, as they are gone, as uh, sometimes it's ideas, you know? You have this maybe idea about your spouse and who they, who they are and what they're supposed to do for you. And when they don't do those things, it can be gut-wrenching because they're supposed to. And if the longer you've believed that vow, harder it is to unwind it. So, you know, if you believe that your spouse is supposed to provide you all your emotional support, I should always be able to go to my spouse. Great thought, but not reality. You know, if your bucket gets full, I promise you your spouse's bucket gets full too. And sometimes they just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with, with your shit. So you have to go to, you know, your, your community. That's why you have community. So that they can bear some of the burden of all of your emotional stuff. We finally sacrifice this thing that's the most important to us. And God accepts it, forgives us. We repent. We change the way that we're living our life. We stop. For instance, you stopped working so hard. And then we find out that there's other things that we've been holding on to. Other ways that we're trying to control the amount of suffering that we go through. And... And sadly, we have to let go of all of those things too. And we have to grieve. And when we did our special on inner vows, it's on YouTube. You can go check it out. It's from Matthew 5. And the very first verse of the very first part of Jesus' sermon in Matthew 5 is Blessed are those who mourn, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We all claim that we want to live in the very best life, in peace with others, in joy, in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. We want to have happiness. And what we don't recognize is that the kingdom of heaven is happiness. And to get to the kingdom of heaven, we have to mourn. We have to grieve. We have to go through the process of accepting all of the pain and suffering that are part of this world. And we don't want to. We're disappointed. And it's a valid emotion to be disappointed that the world is not the kingdom of heaven. It's valid to be disappointed that we cannot live in a world where there's no war, there's no fighting, there's no poverty, there's no skin knees, there's no there's no racial inequity, there's no so uh, financial inequity, there's no any of these things. But all of these things exist in the world that we live in, and we have to warn these things. We have to grieve. We have to accept that these things exist in order to get to a place where we can have the fortitude to then move out into the world and actually love people in spite of the things that they're doing the way God loves us. And as we do that, it's a very slow process, but hearts will change. And I don't know about any of you, but for me, I don't want to go through a slow process. I don't want it to take time. I want there to be something I can do today that's going to change people's hearts today and they're just going to come to this realization of this problem that they have or this inner vow they've made or this thing they're holding on to that's causing them and other people around them to suffer and it'll magically get fixed today and then everything will be good. But that's not how life works. I don't want to hurt. We have to speak the truth in love and understand that the being loving part is just as important as the truth part, which I struggle with. I like speaking the truth. I don't really like that whole in love part. But it's And I like the in love part. And not the speaking truth part. I do. I like speaking the truth, but... I would say my focus is the other side of it. My focus is the relationship side of it. I hear you. And so that's that's another reason that marriage is so important. You get to help me, as I'm speaking the truth, recognize, hey, you need to be more loving. And I get to help you in those moments when you're trying to be a little too loving, to, hey, you need to speak the truth as well. Because it's so easy to fall to one side or the other to get to the place where you're just speaking truth and it's like you're just whacking people. Bible thumping is what they actually call it. There's a word for it. And it's also so easy to fall to the other side where you're being so loving. By loving he means gentle, like you're... You're skirting around the issue because you don't want to disrupt the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That the person starts walking all over you. You become a doormat. Is that actually accurate, Jen? Yes. 
And then you start, uh, I start falling into the, I've done this, this, and this for this person, and they never reciprocate. So there's resentment that builds up because you've done something for this person and they won't do the same things for you. But you still won't speak the truth that will balance out the relationship. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Tell me more. For me, it comes out of fear. Well, I don't want that rejection. So sometimes it's easier to just keep my mouth shut and not, and not say what's troubling me or, you know, something they've done has hurt me or hey, here's the reality of the situation um, and focus on keeping a relationship. Well, that's not actually, it's not actually helpful. It has its place, um, but it can't, it's got to be balanced. For me, it's similar to the person when you're driving and you're in traffic and you get caught behind somebody and there's, seven people behind this person who are waiting and this person lets someone in who like you're on the freeway and this person rushes up in an exit lane and then is trying to pull in and you've got you're stuck behind this person who's letting that person in and they think they're doing something nice they think they're doing something kind they're not holding this person accountable to the wrong thing they've done they're going to be nice and let them in not realizing they've just screwed over every single person who's waiting behind them. So for me, as someone who's more interested in the truth, the truth is that person did the wrong thing. They can exit the freeway and get back on the freeway somewhere else and deal with the consequences of their actions. And if I go too far that way, it can be very problematic. But I'm trying to be loving and concerned with all the people who are in line behind all of this person who's letting people in. And then the flip side, of course, is I've also made that mistake and been the person who's taken the exit and not known that I was going to be taken off the freeway. And it would be nice to be let in and have my mistake not have the full consequences. And yet... If it does have the full consequences, I can still be the one who drives off the freeway, finds another way to get back onto the freeway. It'll be okay. But emotionally, it's easy to jump back and forth depending on, am I getting screwed over? Am I feeling like I'm being helpful? Where, who am I in this story? And so the problem that I have often is I want to be empathetic to only one character in the story instead of compassionate to all the people in the story and so I'll make excuses for the person who I feel most connected to and then I find a group of people who will do the same thing with me and then it's us against them I think when you go one way or the other to the extreme you're really only trying to serve yourself that's it but the problem is we tell ourselves, <coughs> we tell ourselves that it serves everybody else. Yes, that's the thing. That's the lie right there. And the most wicked and evil things that happen. Oh, all right. That's our 
our bell to let us know that we can interact with chat. Hey, and so if there are people on chat who want to chat with us about what we're talking about, we're, we're welcome you, welcome to be here. We're on Twitch live streaming right now. We would love to hear from you. Um, but once again, the prob one of the problems we have is we tell ourselves that we're doing this for other people's good. Uh -huh. And like everything else, we miss out on is my goal to have relationship and be in right relationship with God and then everything else, I'll still suffer, but everything else will come into alignment with that. Or is my goal to fill in the blank? Um, <laughs> to make sure that there are no poor people that exist on the planet. So I'm going to put this legislation in or become a senator or a congressman or the president so that I can put these laws into place that are going to force people to not be poor ever? Or am I going to put legislation in that lets people, lets companies do whatever they want, no matter how bad it is for the planet? Or am I going to, and of course, what I'm going to tell myself through all of this, these are big examples, and we'll get into some smaller ones, but we tell ourselves, I'm doing it for other people's good. And that's where the evil comes in. You know? Am I, <laughs> am I breaking wooden spoons over my kids' knees because they need to be disciplined and have discipline in their life? Am I punishing them beyond what they need, but it's for their good? There is a validity to, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. But it's, uh, that's like not hitting them at all, not... <laughs> I'm just going to beat them until I feel better. There's, there's a lot of space in between those two things. And every child is different. There are some kids who, if you just look at them, they're going to start crying and they know they've done wrong. And that's enough of a punishment. And there are other kids who they're stubborn and they're going to need a little more <laughs> help in the discipline department. And if you know your children well enough, oh, go ahead. Yeah. My boys are like night and day. They needed different things at different times. Um, my boys needed different things. Um, and it sucks when your kids are adults and you look back and you think, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't really for their benefit. That was for mine. I was just, I was, I was just angry. Or that was really good. I'm glad I did things that way. That worked out well. And, you know, that was good. But each kid definitely needs something different. They see the world different. They interact with the world differently. And I have one son that's an extrovert and one son that's an introvert. So, you know, it seems like they'd be just polar opposites. And to some degree they were. So how we love people, how we discipline people, all of it, sadly, requires incredible differentiation and understanding of who the person is. Mm -hmm. And of course we're upset with the justice system. It is not capable of understanding each individual person and what they need. But that's also part of the point. You have, from 
in America, when you turn 18, in the United States of America, when you turn 18, you become an adult, which means your family was responsible from the time you were born until you're 18 to do the best they can to teach you the disciplines that you need. But once you turn 18, we turn that all over to the government. And the government is just going to have a broad stroke of, hey, you break the rules, these are the punishments you're going to get. And it doesn't matter who you are, and we're not going to give you leeway just because you're this person or that person, ideally. And of course, there is corruption, there is struggles, there is on all levels. You cannot tell me, as a female, if you've ever gotten out of a ticket just because you cried or whatever it is, that you got the same justice as some guy who cannot cry about a ticket and get out of it. And on the flip side, there's plenty of ways that men find leniency in the justice system as well. And there's always loopholes. And it's heartbreaking when, <laughs> so I gave the example earlier about being in traffic. It's heartbreaking when you're the person who gets so frustrated and upset that you start on purpose using the exit lane to find that person who's going to let you back in. Who's that person, Jen? Who are you looking for? You could say it. Who's my bitch? That's... Who's my bitch? Because <laughs> when you're that frustrated and upset, when you're three years old throwing a temper tantrum, that's who you're looking for. That person who's going to give you the leniency that you think you want. And we all actually get heartbroken by all of that. But that's where it comes back to there is forgiveness. God does forgive us. And he also does have great boundaries and hold true that the only way to have relationship with him is if you live within these boundaries. And if you change the way you're living when you stop doing the right. If you start doing the wrong thing, you've got to stop doing the wrong thing in order to come back towards God. Thank you all so much for being with us today. We're so grateful that you've taken time to, to spend with us. Follow and subscribe on Twitch to chat with us. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for joining us on this adventure. Much love. Tell the adventurers, explore.